Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Joining us today on Brand Story, Inc. is Svetlana Legatich, the founder of Exactly Agency, which helps legacy brands and institutions get and stay relevant through integrated creative marketing tactics. You can check them out at exactlyagency.com. Their motto is, don't just join conversations, start them. Svetlana is thrilled to be here. We are so excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. Well, let's start with the origin story. Uh, tell us who exactly agency, exactly agency is in 2021, how the business came to be, and how you've evolved over time. Yeah, absolutely. So we are um, a very small DC-based, but at the same time, very global and impactful agency. That's how we would like to think of ourselves. And we uh, were founded in 2018, so a relatively like new kid on the block mm-hmm. from like an agency perspective. But um, the team, um, the founding team is kind of a little bit of like a super group, you know, of, of women that have worked across, uh, you know, media and brands and agency world, et cetera. And, and our goal was sort of to, to build um, sort of like an agency that's built for the way like conversations happen right now, which is mm-hmm. a little more nimbly and um you know agilely than like the usual sort of um agency model and and the goal was to really sort of try and be kind of like a you know creative swiss army knife um mm-hmm. for any kind of engagement opportunity our clients would want whether it is in real life or digitally um and so so far so good you know <laughs> like so far so good we we have a, a wonderful roster of clients um, from Smithsonian to National Geographic to brands like REI, um, uh, W Hotels, and, and more. Um, and where we are right here? now, so, yeah. Well, let me, go ahead. So I'm yeah. always interested as a you know as a co as a founding partner of an agency myself. Did you bring clients to the, like? Did you have a client in hand when you launched the agency, or did you get together with your your wonder twin powers and say, we're going to do this and then go search. How did it work? How did it? Um, so I have actually never worked in an agency before mm-hmm. I found the agency. Mm-hmm. So my backstory is in independent media. I, I owned and, and operated a small company called BYT Media here in DC, which was the largest independently owned um, media brand in Washington that also sort of focused on a lot of events. And we, we produced you know, magical comedy festivals in partnership with Tignataro, true crime festivals, photography festivals, and also published, you know, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, like, about nothing useful, only things that would make your life a little better. Um, <laughs> and sort of over the years, um, a lot of the brands and that were our partners from, like, an advertising perspective or um, sponsorship perspective of our experiences uh, started coming to us looking for kind of like a more white glove service, you know, mm-hmm. wanting to own content and experiences, um, which is when we kind of realized that like the work we are doing for them is actually agency work, which took me a little bit of time because again, I don't come from, come from like an agency background. Mm-hmm. Um, and we essentially built exactly to sort of avoid 
confusion between like the two companies mm-hmm. under our umbrella. Um, and yes, a lot, some of our, um, best and long-term clients are the people that we have worked with for a long time in that different capacity before. Mm-hmm. So and just for listeners, world. when, when Svetlana talks about the media publisher, uh, BYT, it's brightest young, it stands for brightest young things, which has been around for 12 years at this point. It has been around for a long time. We actually sunsetted it. That's, that's mm-hmm. the phrase that I'm using. Mm-hmm. Um, on inauguration day this mm-hmm. year uh, and completely shifted to uh, doing only exactly work. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was always kind of been our long-term plan. You know, there's this kind of perfect little jewel box of of memories and moments um, mm-hmm. that he was, um, but then exactly was always kind of like our forever plan, so to speak. And, you know, we got very lucky Um, I got very lucky in the early stages that, um, you know, some of the, the people that I knew who were kind of looking for a different kind of agency to work with that did come with like agency and bread experience wanted to join. So, um, you know, our chief creative officer comes with like tremendous background. at like Condé Nast and like international Vogue properties and mm-hmm. was previously a creative director at like BBDO and Ogilvy. And um, our chief strategy officer comes with experience from like a really like strong variety of entertainment uh, properties from CAA to Sony Music to um, National Geographic. Mm-hmm. So um, we were just sort of ready um, to do things a little differently, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, and sure. not sort of be pigeonholed um, in, you know, which often happens with some of the smaller agencies. Mm-hmm. And like, this is this is what we do. We kind of wanted to do everything. Like, yeah. <laughs> so. well, let me let me let's go there for a second. Let's do a case study, a case study deep mm-hmm. dive to bring the audience up to speed on the, you know, um, a little bit more focus on on mm-hmm. the capabilities of what you've done. So maybe perhaps your recent Earth Day initiative with Nat Geo, National Geographic, to kind of illustrate a prideful project would be a great place to start. Yeah, yeah, they're a, a beautiful like dream client, and and we were so lucky to work on this this year and and to keep evolving this project, hopefully for years to come. So, you know, I should say that kind of like the at the core of our ethos is that we truly feel that like strategy is marketing and like marketing is like fully integrated like at all points Mm -hmm. you know oftentimes Mm -hmm. like a problem with large brands and institutions is this kind of like segmentation of departments Mm -hmm. whereas um really kind of like harnessing the power of the brand um comes really like into play when you can like manage to make these teams and departments play together. So National Geographic came to us, um, you know, wanting to kind of build or start building something that will engage audiences across all their like platforms and properties. So looking at, you know, social media, the channel, like, you know, content platforms, like different collaborations and and et cetera, et cetera, and and try to find a way mm-hmm. um, to have like a brand moment that sort of like seamlessly takes you across uh, mm-hmm. multiple entry points. And they wanted to do it for Earth Day, which you know naturally, like and I'll I'll use this 
kind of uh, metaphor because I feel like a lot of people listening to this are sort of like sports people, right, Jay? Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like Earth Day is like the Super Bowl mm-hmm. for National Geographic, mm-hmm. right? Like the entirety of like brands, uh, like value system and, and, and storytelling strengths is around celebrating the planet, um, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, inspiring audiences to live a more sustainable, lighter life, you know, yep. on it. And so in this like incredibly crowded space, how can we, how can we like do something that really kind of feels both like celebratory, but like continues that, you know, like storytelling strength that they are known for. So uh, we built essentially, we we decided to focus on Earth Day Eve um, because Earth Day itself should be day that you go out mm-hmm. possibly like a day of service etc but mm-hmm. uh what if we treated earth day eve as sort of like almost like a new year's you know eve mm-hmm. concepts you know um and we produced what i would like to think is like a pretty genuinely global celebration like across multiple countries and continents uh, partnering with different like musicians and explorers who are all um you know involved in sustainability and environmental causes um to you know share their songs and 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 you know work around that but also film them in places that are a particular significance to them you know so whether it is jose gonzalez you know um on the beach of his childhood hometown you know in sweden or it's willie nelson and his son in their backyard in hawaii you know or um you know, it's Jane Goodall, mm-hmm. you know, in her little cottage. It was, it was kind of my joke. It's kind of like the, you know, Earth Day Eve's, it's kind of like that SNL joke. Earth Day Eve's, like, hottest club is at National Geographic. It has it all, you know. It has like, Jane Goodall, it has Willie Nelson, it has Aurora, Maggie Rogers, Jose Gonzalez, My Morning Jacket. Did, like, a really epic world premiere video for us for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like this mix of inspiration and education. Right. Um, And then we took the audience from the YouTube channels to the newly launched um, Nagio TikTok, where in London, incorporating like visuals from their new Earth Moods TV series, Jada G, who is a Grammy nominated DJ, but also an environmental toxicologist, hosted the official kind of like after party. Uh, which had over 2 million views on TikTok Live, which mm-hmm. is very impressive, uh, taking them over to um, the channel at midnight where the Secrets of the Whales uh, premiere happened. Um, and then across all of this, we launched a user-generated campaign called Share Your Spot, um, a content platform called Planet Possible, which provides resources to, to live on the planet more lightly and kind of like incorporated the entire National Geographic and also Disney family um, in different moments, you know, like celebrating. So at a a high level, right? So there's a global global virtual um, experiential event that you created with, Mm -hmm. I mean, which is fantastic, right? And then you did everything from conceive it to put it together, execute it, you know, you created user, you created content that you seeded both um, through Nat Geo's channels and and part of their, I think it's it's called Planet Possible, right? Is their media Mm -hmm. publisher. 
Um, and then also, you know, user-generated campaigns. So you conceived and executed all of that as kind of this, as your point, Super yes. Bowl Eve. And, and worked very closely with, you know, across probably right. like eight National Geographic departments mm -hmm. for, for this, um, which is kind of like an unprecedented amount, I guess, of departments. Um, and I think yeah. that's the point that that's the point I want to get into right there, Svetlana. I mean, because yeah. there's a lot of conversation going on, right, of marketing, insourcing versus outsourcing. And it's kind of like mm -hmm. this binary conversation. Do you do it or do you not? Like, and I, I the, one of the reasons I really like this, I like this example for a number of reasons. Number one, I think it shows um, the value of an agency, right? It shows the value mm -hmm. of, to your point, um, the siloed, and this is not a slam on that geo, any large organization has to have some type of organizational structure to make it work, yeah, I mean, but you need that outside point of view to kind of collaborate and connect dots and pull people together under a collective umbrella. And it's, it's, I love it because I think this is why, you, this is why you're on here and it's why you and I connected. Someone who connected is like, hey, you guys think similarly. And it's, it is, it's all of these integrated touch points, which, um, when they come together like you did in this way, um, it, it's, it's pretty cool. If you go on uh, Planet Possible's website, it, it reads right now on their homepage as of in July, it's 2021. It's still talking about the Earth Day virtual celebration of what you guys did and the work. It's, it's, it's all there, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I think... Yeah, and the video is available on, on the YouTube and, yep. and everything else. I mean, all of that. This is also kind of like a big part of what we're trying to do is to not use any of these situations as like one-offs, mm -hmm. but really position them um, as kind of like evergreen digital products yep. that these messages are important year-round. Like, yes, this is, you know, just because like a movie premieres on a certain day, it doesn't mean that you can't like enjoy it. Right. Yep. Well, I think <laughs> that's where our two yeah. thought processes in companies intersect, right? So, for the example of you and I recently spoke about storytelling that goes beyond brick and mortar, brick and mortar, just like this, and in, in this case study of um, Earth Day with Nat Geo project that you did is a perfect example, right? You cr you've created the memorable design, user experience, brought the story to life, created the Super Bowl, help create and collaborate with Nat Geo to create this Super Bowl tentpole experience. And, you know, as you and I talked about, we're kind of a company that's always in the always on, right? People care about Earth year round and hence Nat Geo has a media publishing platform called Planet Possible, right? With email newsletters and original yeah. content. And, you know, I think retaining attention through a spike like that and engaging the audience with then being able for, for kind of that inner core who gets passionate to have an always on place to go and engage and become part of a community seems to be, I mean, it, it's, it's where I know you think the world's going. I think it's going. It, it doesn't seem to be going there quick enough. Yeah, and, and all, all of these elements, yeah, 100%. And I think all of these elements should be thought of as part of like a cycle that feeds each other. You know, I think mm -hmm. a problem is often with experiential, again, being like this one moment, mm -hmm. you know, in time. And people don't think of the experiential as like a place where amazing content could be created mm -hmm. or like that amazing content could inspire right mm -hmm. that like all of these things could essentially be plussing up each other mm -hmm. right and mm -hmm. feeding into you know you like oftentimes so many of these things happen in kind of like a vacuum mm -hmm. from from each other um and i think because like day-to-day -day work for a lot of brands is obviously incredibly involved etc to kind of 
try and come together for these like brand wide moments is challenging. And I do think sort of the the value, at least of what I think our value here was to kind of be a little bit of like an Earth Day Sherpa, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. like is there to sort of help and support, you know, if like this department is really good on, you know, tactical, but is maybe not amazing on like creative, but like doesn't really like collaborate actively with the creative department. How can we, you know, like bridge that gap and, you know, support those elements, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, how can we provide from the content that we are making, you know, as like diverse and interesting, like selection of content for like the marketing team to use, for the social team to use, to, for everything else to use. Like the the volume of content uh, that was created is theoretically part of like an experiential mm-hmm. campaign, right? Like Because that's what it started as, right? Like an experiential celebration um, that was used across multiple platforms is probably something that people don't even think about, you know, like it is so easy to get um, like while you're already out there, right? Like filming Mm -hmm. with this talent to get content that like was designed specifically to be digestible on social media or to be, you know, usable to create, you know, explanatory videos or sizzles Mm -hmm. or like, you Mm -hmm. know, other kind of stuff as opposed to just kind of like we have this like one goal, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is Mm -hmm. this like experiential product. Um, And I think everyone kind of came on board because they were like, everyone was thought of, right? Like it wasn't like someone was like an afterthought, like we filmed this and then we'll maybe get something that like you can use on social. No, we like did this and we did a bunch of other stuff on top of it, which wasn't as hard because we were already doing things right. that were specifically targeted towards your needs. Yeah, I think that's a know? that's a great uh, friend of mine, Andy Crestadina, who's been on the podcast, has a has a really good diagram of of, of multi-purposing content, right? Like how one yeah. piece of content with a plan in front of it, right? To your point, it's like it's not just hey, let's go shoot and slap it on five social channels. It's like okay, what's the strategy for this platform? This What about the, the content and turning it into a written piece, right? Graphics, all, all the different uses and functions across department, which, which brings me to a really good point. You kind of went down there. I've, I've started a new segment called Collaboration <laughs> Corner, right? You, mm-hmm. you, you just talked about Nat, Gino, Nat Geo and, and navigating eight different departments. You make a living by working with clients that usually involve a significant team of people on the client mm-hmm. side and many on your side. So in the spirit of our content studio community, what advice do you have on how to navigate creative without the collaboration leading to compromise less than excellent finished product? Hmm. Right, if we can all figure that out. Yeah, it's uh, a hard one. Um, I mean, so I have always kind of been under, like my, my guiding light has always been that people like working with people they like, you mm-hmm. know? And um, oftentimes, so th- you know, this is why I'm screwed right here, right here. At this point, I, I, I'm, I'm failing. I don't know, Jay. You're, you're, you're pretty, you're pretty likable. We haven't, we haven't hung out a bunch, but I feel like, I feel like you're doing okay. Um, but you know, I mean, that's kind of like the core, right? Mm-hmm. You can have like the most competent, like team or whatever, but if somehow they approach a problem with like too much ego or like they approach uh like a problem in a way that whoever you're trying to collaborate with can find it threatening which Mm -hmm. oftentimes is a problem that like some of the agencies encounter Mm -hmm. i think with the clients because it's kind of like 
we have an event team. Why why do we need like you know mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. or like why is this why are these strangers now part of this conversation you know like I, I was yeah I was doing fine um like I was overwhelmed but I was doing fine um and so I think like really like it is about like setting the stage you know so before we do any kind of work we we really try to I mean it's obviously a little labor intensive but mm -hmm. what isn't um we really try to kind of have these you know like no pressure like introductory meetings you know explain where we're coming from uh, before any kind of like work comes into place so mm -hmm. like that we sort of set up you know like ways we can work together set up expectations as to how we we like to communicate how they like to communicate you know like really meet them where they are mm -hmm. as, as much as humanly possible and then again you know and this is hard it, with with creativity of any kind to come off as you know that like kind of zero ego like approach to collaboration right because yep that's everyone's like bread and butter at this table um but you know kind of sort of like slowly kill them with kindness you know mm -hmm. it's it's a and so by the time that is over hopefully um it doesn't feel like we're encroaching on their space we are there to just sort of um make their space better right like, i love that set the stage yeah. mentality i mean the way you yeah. described it because it's very Oftentimes, rare. Oftentimes, there's not a lot of time for it, no. right? Because, like, part of what we are selling is kind of like, you have a problem. Like, the problem is that you want to be part of, like, a very current conversation in a current cultural moment or something. And oftentimes, the the setup times are not very long because, you know, some, for example, like, the, the entirety of that Nagio project was, like, an eight-week run, you know, which mm -hmm. when I tell you, like, someone, someone, everyone would be like, that, that should take, like, six months right, a year right um but you know sort of our original selling point was like no because we are like a small agile team like we can go in and do all this without that kind of like funnel necking and stuff but um so there's sometimes not time in the type of work that we do but it's important to make time well i, I love it because there's the subtlety and psychology in this agency client collaboration that rarely gets talked about and when it does get talked about it's usually in these you know um salesy type seminars like how to be a better agency it's like okay you know but there's such subtlety there's no sign over someone's head that says i always feel threatened by outside i'm threatened about my job right or what but it's there. Those things are there. Like those psychological yeah. nuances. Or like, you don't know me. You don't like, know you me. Know? I don't know your work. <laughs> you know, I, you know. Like, this, there's no sign. This person really thinks they're good creative, for, but they're not. I've been here for 20 years. Yeah. What do you know about, you know, <laughs> exactly. this company? And that's, yeah. I, I've made that mistake so many times of just kind of diving into the work with people and assuming everyone's coming with the best intentions. And it's not. It's just that's not reality. So I, I love how you you know, you talk about that. So, yeah. so let, let me go. As one... an agency owner, I would say like n the majority of my work is just making people comfortable, like being part of like the process, you know, mm -hmm. like the, the team is incredibly competent and is going to do like a great job, but they yep. have to come to like a, to like a friendly ground mm -hmm. in order mm -hmm. for them to do it, you know? So a yeah. lot of holding hands, a lot of, you know, like 
listening, a lot of that kind of stuff. So. Well, going a little bit deeper into brass tacks, any insights you have, a new segment, communication cliff notes. How does exactly agency best communicate be either inter both internally and externally with clients on projects? So we are actually like very old school. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know everyone has like the app to change their life mm -hmm. um, or something, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, so, so the, uh, you know, we are a small team mm -hmm. um, and we are not all in the same place to mm -hmm. begin with. Um, so, you know, our chief creative officer is in London. We have team members in New York. We have team members here in DC. We have team members in Austin. Um, we're thinking of having, you know, like expanding into some LA work mm -hmm. a little more intensely. So it's, you know, we're working across nine hours, you know, in different time zones, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, I mean, we try to keep it very simple, like we're big Google Drive fans, mm -hmm. you know, everything is kind of organized. There's a folder entitled mm -hmm. 2021 everything <laughs> that everyone has access to and then it has individual projects. Uh, we email a lot and we Zoom a lot. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of our clients insist on Slack. I find it very stressful. Mm. Um, the same way I kind of found like G chats and things like that stressful um, because you know like that kind of always on communication is it's on. off right. off often not like very efficient but yeah. also um, you will never wait more than like an hour to hear back from us you know right. like that's right. very much like I think like the the way we structure our work day is you know we all get up relatively early, mm -hmm. do a lot of kind of focused work before the work day begins, then kind of like, you know, 10, 10, 30, whatever mm -hmm. that moment is, right, where communication starts in earnest with a lot of people, like, it's basically just kind of like playing defense and, and being communicative. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure it's not a sustainable plan for forever, but, <laughs> and we'll have to kind of come up with some more elaborate um things we, we use Basecamp for project tracking okay. um but again it's it all feels pretty lo-fi no it's the, good though i mean we're, we're I very similar to you i mean don't i yeah. wouldn't you know characterize it as like a shortcoming because i think you know what's the old saying fools with tools are still fools um and so i think that you know, I, I always say one of the things I've always wanted to do and haven't formalized, there's a big list. I should put them in sticky notes. And it's like really crystallizing communication protocols, kind of like your setup. We do talk about it, but like certain people are wired differently. If the, if the key decision maker on the other side, there, there are some people who, if they do not get daily reports, feel that you're not working for them. Right. Where yeah. you could be putting hundreds of man hours in that day. And they're like, what are those guys doing? I don't know what to do. And other people yeah, are like, I mean, you know, I used to have something called like a weekly mm -hmm. kind of like check in where basically like I had people, they had like their own, yeah. again, Google Drive holders with like different weeks. And, and they just sort of, I mean, it's again, small team. So mm -hmm. we, we all are in contact often enough, but there's inevitably like more dominant personalities that like occupy you know, people's time and energy more. Um, I, I know nothing of what you're speaking about. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so I had them essentially kind of like write me like an email, you know, mm -hmm. like with mm -hmm. kind of like five things they think I should know more or less, right. That they didn't get a chance to, you mm -hmm. know, they don't necessarily require a lot of attention. And that way everyone kind of has access to everyone's 
things as well to kind of keep track of it. But in the end, um, we kind of walked away from it because sometimes people will forget if like they got busy and I didn't want anyone to feel too guilty um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about it. So yeah, it, I don't know. There's if, if again, every single one of your questions is like whoever figures out how to do any of these things is going yeah, to like exactly. have, exactly. Like, you know, like, well, see, that's what I do. I try. That's what I'm trying to do. It's just a cheap way for me to kind of get the, you know, the keys to the Holy Grail here. So to that end, new, new uh, next segment, pandemic perspective. I find this fascinating since roughly half of your agency's existence has been during a pandemic and you were set up kind yeah. of almost in an agile remote function. So as we emerge from the shadows of the pandemic, hopefully, how has your perspective mm-hmm. changed about your work, which, you know, let's face it, a lot of your work is this experiential centric, which yes, is digital, but also has an in-person, had an in-person touch point and has kind of evolved into kind of virtual touch point. But I'm, I'm curious how your perspective of your work has changed now that we're emerging. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, um, aside from like I would say like probably like a six week complete like existential crisis you mm-hmm. know and like panic right which is like a classic mm-hmm. move you know because everything got canceled you know we had this insane year and not just the experiential stuff even our like digital campaigns and um like a lot of like just everything got canceled um in March of last year because people didn't know how to market in this environment right mm-hmm. like people are dying like, does it matter to talk about, right. you know, our outdoor gear or mm-hmm. like our mm-hmm. whatever, right? Like we don't, you know, mm-hmm. like it was such like a instant like clamp up. Um, and so we spent, you know, kind of just like, let's see like how long we can ride this and everything else. But then, and this is why I love my team. My team was like, this is actually an opportunity to sort of diversify like our kind of case studies mm-hmm. a little bit. because. Uh, kind of brainstorming and and kind of ideation has always been actually one of the the primary services that that people come to us from we do a lot of these kind of like very intense three to four week ideation and strategy sprints around like people's problems and trying to kind of build creative frameworks to solve them and so we were like no one's gonna you know like no one's in a place to to kind of do that with us now but like let's just think of people we know and come up with some ideas for them and take them to them which is like a rare situation because mostly right as as an agency you're just kind of like in this constant hamster wheel right like you're doing work you're finding new work you're doing work you're finding new work so to kind of have this like little bit of a breather and we're again very lucky small team so there wasn't like a Mm -hmm. massive overhead or anything to sort of stress out about um, and we came up with a couple, couple ideas that we were able to actually, you know, take to Instagram or uh, National Air and Space Museum or, you know, our Smithsonian Pride Alliance partners and do all within that first spring, mm-hmm. right? Um, whether it is was you know uh, a day long like festival celebrating small businesses like nationally and internationally to help like Instagram launch their um, small media like asset buttons to, you know, kind of building out a a content studio for, for, you know, the most visited museum in the world that now can't have uh, visitors, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
and and using this as an opportunity to kind of you know milk that connection between space and entertainment that is you know never ending and forever um and so um you know i mean through sheer i think like resilience we ended up actually kind of being busier than we ever were because the word kind of spread that you know unlike one month notice (laughs) these crazy women you know can go and like build something from complete scratch for you Mm -hmm. which i think was um super super refreshing because that's kind of what we're trying to do with our clients but you know people work on much longer timelines than what we think they should be working on right like people work on like 18 month 24 month timelines whatever Mm -hmm. else and things get so diluted Mm -hmm. from what the Mm -hmm. ideation phase to the consumer facing phase and so I felt that the, the, my biggest takeaway from the pandemic was this sort of willingness to try things <laughs> because like, at, at, like all the rules were like out of the window mm-hmm. and I am hopeful that some of that like ethos stays, you know, with some of, some of the people we worked with kind of like willingness to think about you know, experiences beyond in-person, willingness to think about like digital beyond just like this checklist of these four things that Mm -hmm. we do, you know, Mm -hmm. to think um, of all of it as kind of like part of like a way to communicate with your audience um, that is all equally valid and might actually surprise you, you know, Mm -hmm. like after like why people respond to kind of seek maybe unexpected partnerships. You know, we, we um, helped National Air and Space Museum produce um, essentially like a science meditation record in partnership with Diplo, who is obviously like a very well-known like DJ, but like no one kind of saw those two things coming, even though he is incredibly culturally curious and like a big, you know, science and environment geek. and. You know, mm-hmm. 300,000 people listen mm-hmm. to this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's called Under Ancient Skies. You can check it out on Spotify. But it's essentially like a meditation to look at, you know, the night sky or wherever you mm-hmm. are to this like really beautiful ambient music. Rishi from Song Explorer narrates it. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like science poetry is mm-hmm. like the only way to describe it. And I mean, that would not have happened right. before the pandemic. I love that. You know? That's awesome. Um, but it introduced, you know, 300,000 science geeks to Diplo, or it introduced 300,000 EDM heads to mm-hmm. National Air and Space Museum, whatever, right. however you look at it. But it it helped both of them expand, like, audiences with also something that is like an evergreen product. You know, it was like a moment, yeah. but it is like an evergreen I product. That. And again, be enjoyed that. forever. So I love the moment. I know, I'm kind of rambling. No, no, that's yeah. okay. I like it. I like it. <laughs> okay, so we're up against the clock here, so I'm going to go into rapid fire mode here. So wish I would have yeah. known segment as an owner, founder, what are the top, uh, give me the top, I wish I would have known lessons that uh, from when you started this in 2018. Oh, I don't know. That's that's just like every day. There's one of those. Uh, I mean, I guess like I primarily because like media does move a little faster than the agency space. Yeah. I do wish that I had known how long some of these like cycles, mm-hmm. you know, would be of like decisions and, and setups and so on. Like I get like a little impatient and I'm working on that. Welcome to the club. <laughs> 
I'm there. All right, last two for you. Morning must fess up on your email inbox, your social follows, and morning routine of how you stay on top of industry news. Um, okay. I mean, I am subscribed to literally every newsletter in the world. Um, <laughs> like, it's kind of terrifying, and it's sort of like a carryover. Come on, how over. many? Talk, give, to estimate. How uh, many I mean, have? maybe 50, and then I'm also subscribed to, like, 18 physical, like, different magazines, yeah. you know, across, like the lifestyle and entertainment spectrum because I am, you know, just old enough that I have that like nostalgic mm -hmm. moment that I mm -hmm. love. Um, but I would say like kind of the New York magazine world, you know, like, so mm -hmm. the cut vulture, et cetera, is sort of my go-to mm -hmm. in terms of like the take level for, for kind of like entertainment and culture stuff. I mean, all the usual, right? Like Digiday, Ad Age, Ad Week, like gotta, yep. gotta keep an eye on, on those. Though I sort of always feel a little bit, you know, it's like kind of like an echo chamber yes. when I when I look at that stuff. Um, and maybe it is because I, I do feel a little bit like an outsider still, um, you know, in kind of like a traditional like agency setup. Mm -hmm. um, I, um, yeah, I mean, mainly I, I really tend to just go on like a morning walk and do like a headspace walking or morning like meditation to sort of like mm -hmm. clear my head that's probably like the most important part of what i do i wake up very early and i have that like 30 minutes to an hour that i just like want to have to myself mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean i am just like a tremendous like consumer of um you're a human culture. curator I just we need yeah, you like, to do the newsletter and distill down everything that you read and then that's on, well, that, that's I mean that's I kind of read. that that was kind of like the BYT like you know like yeah. ethos was like imagine if like a media publication was like your best friend yeah. that like yeah. you know tells you what to do what to watch what mm -hmm. to to kind of be not like a critic but right. a best friend that has the recommendations so I mean I'm always reading I'm always listening to music I'm always watching things um but we're we are trying not to be like too hung up yep. on sort of like industry good stuff. all right well last question for you then yep. uh right under the wire bedside book stand what are you reading for fun what's what book do you have next year night? okay so a massive reader as i mentioned i'm on my 41st book for the year wow uh you're so like, you're like the top number one on goodreads you're like i'm gonna <laughs> check your rank without without being on goodreads okay. um right um yeah i read a combination of literary novels murder mysteries which is like my favorite thing mm -hmm. in the world uh <laughs> to kind of relax the brain and then a lot of um and this is like a takeaway from our comedy uh festival days i read a lot of um you know like kind of comedy comedian mm -hmm. like essays and autobiographies and things like that and the latest one of those that i read was um casey wilson's um and the title of the book is amazing. It's called The Wreckage of My Presence, mm. which is just like a perfect, I feel like, um, kind of like personality-driven title, mm. if there ever was one. Um, but my staff, then, my staff would say that's a, a nickname for me, The Wreckage of yeah. My Presence. Yeah, so. it's just kind of like The Wreckage <laughs> of My Presence, you know? Um, and then, um, you know, I would say, one of my favorite books that I've read this year is called Sorrow and Bliss. It's a debut novel by this woman named Meg Mason. I'm just like looking at my bookshelf right mm. now. 
Um, awesome. But yeah, just like voraciously reading. Actually, if you go onto my Instagram, this is like embarrassing. Personal Instagram, no, which okay. is my first name and my last name, Svetlana Legatich. No one will spell it or find it. I will put I it have... in the Content Hub Brand Story <laughs> Inc. page notes. All right. So I'll yeah. put it in there and link to it. Um, I do at the end of every month, um, every book I read with kind of like a 10 second review and, um, ah, awesome. um, and like movies and, and TV shows that we watched that, that I recommend, not everything because we, we do watch a lot and that would be kind of like <laughs> a nightmare, but they're in my like little highlights okay. and it's, it's kind of like just like a, a little way for me to put out uh, all this energy <laughs> that I'm spending on these 40, 40 books a year, you know. Yeah. Well, Svetlana Legitique, thank you, uh, founder of Exactly Agency, can't thank you enough. Uh, we will put all of the show notes at teamworksmedia.com uh, and the content hub for Brand Story Inc. We'll, we'll link to Svetlana's Instagram page where you can get all these recommendations. <laughs> uh, and thank you for pulling the curtain back on your agency. Congrats on the work that you've done and look forward to sharing this with the world. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Brand Story Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.